Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com and brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Sabrina, and I'm here today to share some ideas with you about conversational homeschooling. Okay, I just made that up, I think. I've never seen that phrase used anywhere before. I don't even think that we've really used that at sevensistershomeschool.com before, but I decided it was time to make a new thing. And in particular, if you are maybe newer to the idea of homeschooling high school, maybe you are thinking about bringing kids home as teens, or maybe you've had them at home for the younger years and you thought you were going to put them in traditional school for high school, but now you're not so sure and you're thinking you might keep them home. If this idea is a little bit newer to you, well, this is definitely going to start you off on a solid footing. If you are already homeschooling high schoolers, you might find that this episode today gives you pause and challenges a little bit some of the ways that you've been doing things and encourages you to come at it a little bit differently. Conversational homeschooling. What is that, Sabrina? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Um, So I made up this phrase because I realized that that is often the moment of real learning for teens. So what I mean by that is this. We assign our teens lots of things to study, lots of things to read, things to watch, experiments to carry out, field trips to go on. All of that stuff is really, really important. We are providing resources for them. We're providing information and we're providing experiences. But a lot of times that learning doesn't fully cement. It doesn't necessarily sink in and connect. And we all know the thing from back when we were in school where you learn something just long enough to spit it back on the test so that you get the grade and then you move on and never think about it again. And our kids do that too. Now, I am not pretending for a moment that every single thing that they learn in homeschool, high school should sink deeply into their being and be a guiding force for the rest of their lives. Okay, we all know that some things are more important than other things. Some things that are more important for me are not necessarily more important for you because each of us is wired differently, right? There's not one right way to be a human being. Therefore, there's not one right way to learn and certainly not one right way to homeschool. But for the things that are going to sink in deeply and are going to stay and prove to be important, one of the best ways for that to happen is through conversation about it. Think about this. For you, as an adult, if you get interested in something and you read about it, and you watch video about it, and you perhaps go someplace and physically engage with whatever this topic is, you are taking things in, right? You're taking in information, you're taking in visual data, you're taking in auditory um, data, all of those things are coming in. But if you go to dinner with a friend, and they say, so what have you been up to lately? And you start telling them about it, You are now taking all that stuff that you've been bringing in and you are extending it out. And the process of converting that data in to communication out, conversation, that's a really important piece of that knowledge really becoming yours. You really begin to own it. Now there's a really concrete place that we see this and um, we see the problem when we don't utilize this conversational 
piece of learning, and that is in the subject of plagiarism. We all worry about plagiarism. It is a rampant problem, and sometimes plagiarism is that somebody pays for a research paper or an essay. They buy it online, and then they put their name on it, pretend that they wrote it, and turn it in for a grade. Okay, that's like straight up just nasty. We, we all would look at that and say, so bad, so naughty. You knew that that was wrong and you did it anyway. Okay, but what about the very common problem of kind of sort of unintentional plagiarism? where you're pulling an all-nighter trying to get a research paper done and you've got all these books out in front of you and you've got all these websites open, all these different tabs and, and there's all this information there and you're trying to kind of plug it all into paragraphs that will then be your paper that you're turning in. And in the process, you end up taking just straight up sentences out of somebody else's work out of websites, out of books that you're reading, out of video clips that you've watched, whatever. And you put it on paper. And because you've changed one or two words in the sentence, you say, well, there, I didn't plagiarize. But you did, because it's not information that you really know and understand as your own. When you can close all the tabs and close all the books and go for a 15-minute walk with your friend and talk to them about the things that you're going to write in the paragraphs of your research paper when you get back to the room, that's when you've really owned it. That's when you've stopped plagiarizing and that's when now that the words coming out about this topic are your own. You have internalized a lot of information and when you are able to articulate it back out to someone else, you have really learned it on a new level. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about conversational homeschooling. If you are homeschooling a teen and you are choosing the academic subjects that they're going to study for this year, you have quite a bit of say in what all of that input for their brain is going to be this year. You're you're telling them these titles are going to be on your book list. So you know that these are stories and characters and situations and words and settings and themes that are going to be put into your kid's brain. And if your kid pays attention, while reading the books, that information will all be coming in to the brain. But if after the book is read, you have an actual conversation about it, it is amazing how much more that teen is always going to remember about that book. It'll be the conversation that cements a lot of those characters and those settings and those themes into your teen's mind. The same is true with other types of academic subjects, not just with literature. If you're studying writing and your teen is trying to learn how to write transition sentences in a research paper for an MLA style research paper and it's frustrating and you're saying, no, there's no transition here. Don't you see that? And they don't see it and whatever. As they begin looking at good examples of well-written transitions, instead of just handing them the the list of um, good examples and saying, here, read this, look at this, learn from this. Ask them to look at the first one, and then instead of telling them what's good about it, instead of explaining to your teen why that one there is a good transition sentence, ask your teen to explain it to you. Say, what do you see in that that you think makes it a good transition sentence? I mean, I've already handed it to you and said this is an example of a good one. So what do you see in it that might explain why we've said this is a good example? And the process of trying to articulate that back to you is going to probably do more for your teen in actually learning how to write 
strong transition sentences of her own than anything else. Taking it in is not what cements it. It's taking it in and processing it in such a way that they can articulate it back out again. When they're studying science and they start learning about how certain things happen in, um, I don't know, photosynthesis. There we go. That's a word that just popped into my head. So they're studying photosynthesis and they're looking at the diagrams and they're reading the words on the page and they're um, maybe watching videos, whatever. But when they can sit at the dinner table and explain what's cool about photosynthesis to a younger sibling, that's when you know that they've really learned about photosynthesis. So conversational homeschooling, I guess, is um, my encouragement to you that with whatever your educational style is, whether you like lots of traditional textbooks, whether you like lots of hands-on experiences, whether you like cooperative learning where there's a bunch of kids in a room together, or whether you like lots of independent research where it's just your kid. There are so many different approaches, but all educational approaches, I think, can only benefit from a component of conversational homeschooling being added to them, where you are encouraging your kid to articulate what's being learned. Now there's this image and it comes from, you know, looking back nostalgically at the past. And we, we love to use this, this, um, this, you know, sort of this picture in our heads of, of what life looked like in the fifties or the sixties with the family gathered around the dinner table. And, um, I remember back in the eighties and nineties when I was a younger homeschooling mom, um, I can remember looking at that image and thinking that we need to do that. We need to, we need to talk about the things that we're doing at homeschool around the dinner table. And I don't know if it was just us doing it wrong or not. I, I honestly think from talking to a lot of friends that it wasn't just us anyway doing it wrong. If we were doing it wrong, a lot of other people were too. I'm sure that there were some families who found that that worked really well for them. But that's not what our dinner table was typically like. Uh, I, I had kids really close together. And so we had like lots of little people clamoring and it was a kind of chaotic dinner time most of the time. And then as they all started getting older and we were involved in a number of, of activities and different groups and such, we often didn't have dinner together because my husband was a shift worker. And so he wasn't even there for dinner three or four times a week because of his rotating shifts. And uh, so sometimes I cooked a large quantity of something healthy and it was in the fridge and people got it and heated it up whenever they were ready to eat. And sometimes there were a couple people eating together and sometimes there were four or five people eating together and sometimes we all kind of did dinner on our own, even if we all ate the same thing. And I felt guilty about that. I felt like I was somehow doing it wrong. But the truth was our life and our family style didn't fit with let's all sit around the dinner table together and talk about what we're learning in homeschool. I think that there's less and less of that family dinner now among families that I meet who are homeschooling now because, you know, now I'm, I'm older and my kids have graduated and I'm enjoying being a Grammy and having little grandkids and, and all that stuff. And so, of course, our dinner table time is not what it was. I mean, our, our kids are grown now. But as I get to know younger families who are homeschooling, I see that oftentimes they are not doing family dinner in that same sort of sweet, nostalgic kind of, of way. And so if it's not going to happen around the dinner table like that, if that's not the way it's going to play out, then what's important is that it does 
play out someplace else. One of the things that worked well for me is rides in the car. We did a lot of car schooling, but we didn't do a whole lot of, of like planned car schooling. I know people who downloaded curriculum that was digital that could be loaded onto a, a device and taken with them. And the kid puts in headphones and really focuses in and it's a screen situation. And, and they would take because they knew that they had certain amounts of time in the car because of travel for travel sports or um, for what, whatever it was. And so they would plan to use that car time for school time. We didn't do a lot of that. We just spent a lot of time in the car. And when we were in the car, we did a lot of talking about what we were doing in homeschooling. And some of it was very organic and it just came up in conversation, but a lot of it was kind of orchestrated by me. And I would ask specific questions and nudge and encourage my tweens and teens to share about what they had been reading, what they had been studying, what they were writing about, what they were learning in their co-op classes, what it was that I knew was occupying a lot of their independent um, homeschool work time. And in getting them to talk about it, that learning, that it put down deeper roots. Because they were having to articulate what they had taken in, it became much more theirs. They owned it, they understood it better. Even if what they articulated was a little sketchy and people would ask questions, the pushback against their articulation of it would show them where the holes were in their mastery of the subject. And they would go back and maybe try to find the answers to those questions that they couldn't answer initially about it. They would realize, oh, I don't know as much about this as I thought I did. In fact, we'd even sometimes say that. I thought that I really was pretty much there but but yeah I think I don't really understand this quite yet maybe I too need to read it again you know which is different than taking the test and missing a bunch of the questions and being really frustrated and being told that you have to go back and study more and take a retest sometimes it's nice for that to just come about more organically as you discover for yourself I don't know quite as much about this as I thought I did hmm what can I do about that so conversational homeschooling it's a thing and it's a good thing and it may need to take any number of different forms. One-on-one -on -one time is great because it's both conversational homeschooling that is cementing the learning that's taking place and it is relationship building. If you have more than one kid and you're homeschooling more than one kid, it is sometimes hard to get one-on-one -on -one time with each kid. But we all know that kids do thrive when they get regular chunks of time where it's just them and their parent, and they're not having to share or take turns with siblings, and they feel like they have that undivided attention, that can be really precious and um, relationally really precious. But what's lovely is you can combine that with talking about things that they're learning in homeschooling, and then it is furthering the learning process at the same time that it's relationship building. So, you know, if, if you like the idea, maybe go out to breakfast with one of your kids once a week and just have that individual time. And while you're there, ask them, so what's your favorite thing that you're working on in homeschool right now? Tell me about it. What's interesting to you about it? What surprised you in the last week when you were studying it? And just encourage them to articulate what they've been learning about in homeschool. Conversational homeschooling. 
I think I made up the phrase, but I definitely didn't make up the idea. And it is something that I have seen in my own family and in the families of homeschooling friends around me. I've seen it be really beneficial for the learning process. So whatever your academic style is, whether you're very textbooky or very experiential, whether you like groups or individual, whether you're new to this homeschooling thing completely, or whether you've been doing it for a long time, even if there's not a point on the bullet list in your curriculum that says, make sure that you spend 15 minutes sometime this week asking your child to articulate what they've been learning. Even if that's not a part of the lesson plans or the the teacher book or whatever, choose to put it in there yourself. It's time well invested. You are never, you know, I heard a joke one day that said, you know, nobody ever said, boy, I really regret that 10 minutes I took stretching this morning after I got up. You know, we get ourselves all twisted um, and, and stiff and awkward and sore back and whatever else. And you really don't ever hear anyone who says, boy, what a waste of time it was to, to have a good stretch when I got up this morning. I mean, it's just good. It's just good to stretch, right? And you're never going to look back and say, boy, I'm really, I'm really upset that I wasted that 15 minutes in the car talking to my kid about their research paper that they're working on, about their math class that they're doing in co-op. What a waste of conversation. You're never going to say that. You're never going to say that. It's always going to be a good investment of time. And even if it's not a required part or a recommended part of the uh, particular curriculum that you're using in the lesson plans, you should feel the freedom to add to that and to, to be the home educator and to say, I believe this is important. I'm going to take make time if necessary. Make time to encourage my kid to articulate what they're learning. Because communicational homeschooling, it's a good thing. So I hope maybe that gives you a little something to think about, whether you are starting and want to start strong and want to form that habit right from the early days of homeschooling, or whether you have already been at it for a while, but now you're challenged to, hmm, going to add that in there. I think that actually might be an important missing component. Whatever your situation is, that conversation with your kids, you're never going to regret it. That's where really good stuff happens. Conversational homeschooling. Thanks for thinking about it with me today. Thanks for being here. If you are looking for the kinds of um, actual curriculum resources that really foster good conversation because it's idea-based, because it is encouraging critical thinking, because it has real-life applications, because it's not a bunch of busy work, then you want to check out the curriculum that we've created, Your Homeschooling Big Sisters at sevensistershomeschool.com. Resources for high school electives, for literature, literature analysis, for writing of various kinds, essay writing, research writing, poetry, uh, short story writing, professional writing. There are many, many, many titles available for you in the ebook store at sevensistershomeschool.com where our goal has always been and will always be to help you have a rich and rewarding home educating adventure, whatever your family looks like, whatever your style is. And we're always going to applaud you if you decide to include good conversation in your approach to homeschooling. Thanks for being here, and we hope that you join us for future episodes of the Homeschool High School Podcast from 7sistershomeschool.com. 
and brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Thank you.